Welcome to our podcast, friends. Thank you so much for listening. If you like our podcast and want to support us, please subscribe or follow us. And please don't forget to click the notification bell so you will be notified when new episodes release. Thank you, and God bless. Good evening. Good evening to you. <laughs> Good evening. It's very vam- vampire, Stephen. <laughs> Count, St- instead of Father Stephen Sanchez, you're Count, Count. Stephen Sanchez. Count, Count Stephen. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me and my friend. Father Stephen Sanchez, <laughs> a discalced, a discalced Carmelite priest. <laughs> uh, that dog's funny. Good afternoon, Father. Good afternoon. Oh, I'm trying real hard not to keep laughing. If anyone hasn't, look up just on the the internet. Look up Stephen dog and you'll see this funny little picture of a funny little dog saying its name is Steven but its lips are all goofed up so it's it's spelt funny so we're oh, we're having a giggle all right <clears throat> a chuckle <laughs> maybe even a chortle hi one <sighs> okay so this yeah. episode is at the request of Carlos Lopez. Hey, Carlitos. And yeah, Carlos, man, thank you for your patience. <laughs> it's, a, it's a virtue it's I hear. It's only been a year. You made this, yeah, you made this request a while ago. Um, yeah, so we're, gonna, we're talking about the book of Revelation, the apocalypse, right, according to John. Um, this is going to be a little bit kind of like our angel angelology episode. Um, just went and did a lot of research and trying to understand what was going on. And Father Stephen here is going to help me out because I could not escape once I learned that it was a very mm, uh, what's the what am I trying to say? It's it's a historical. Um, cultural, like there are cultural things happening at the time when this was mm-hmm. written. I can't yes. help but escape. I can't escape that. So I'm stuck on these are the things that are going on at the time. So all of this uh, imagery, all this symbolism is very specific to those those events, right? And to those peoples and those groups and all that. But there's more to it, right, that you can read in. And which you're going to help me with is that you can, there's layers of scripture, not just the literal sense, right? Correct. Okay. So, well, even, um, in, even in this so, case, it's not really a literal sense. It's a, it's a, you're, you're stuck in the historical mm-hmm. um, root uh, of this, right? Yeah. 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 And so, so that's the part I'm going to, I'm going to kind of lay out first, just, who wrote it? When was it written? Things like that, and then a couple, a couple of the things that 
in my experience, because Revelation is filled with all sorts of imagery, and a lot of people get really kind of caught up in some of this inter- uh, imagery, and so the parts that always seem to resonate with people, uh, there there are some explanations for them. So I'm going to kind of highlight those, and then just a couple other little interesting tidbits that um, that I thought were interesting, and then we're then we can just kind of chat about, and Father can educate us a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So uh, the re- re- ah, revelation. Um, also, quick side note. A lot of this information you can find it at usccb.org. Yeah, dot org. So mm-hmm. United States Catholic uh, bishops. I forget what the second C is, but anyway, uh, confraternity or something like that of Catholic conference. Bishops. Anyway, conference, conference, conference of a conference of Catholic bishops. Yeah. So that lots of great footnotes, and probably even in whatever Bible you have, if it's got footnotes down at the bottom, you find a lot of this kind of explanation there. So, uh, the author of the book of Revelation, he calls himself John and identifies himself. He's this Christian who's been exiled to the island of Patmos, which was a Roman penal colony, right? Uh, he never claims to be the Apostle John, but a lot of the early church fathers identified him as such, so we kind of have that little lowercase t tradition uh, claiming that it was him. Equally and interestingly, though, a lot of other church fathers didn't think it was him, um, and I'm not going to bother list, listing out everyone except for John Chris, Chrysostom was one of the church fathers that didn't believe that it was the Apostle John. There are some similarities, though, in the theology and the linguistic um, kind of practices between the gospel, according to John, and Revelation. So, but right. you know, that's just it is what it is. Right. Um, one of the things, one of the things that when my scripture teacher told us about the book of Revelation was that John's use of, of Greek is very, very distinctive. That his Greek, it, he said, he, the way he made it, uh, he says, he says, imagine if somebody said that a cow barked, you would look at the person like, what? He says, but, and that is, that is John's use of Greek. His use of Greek is so intentionally different uh, to, to make an impact. So just, yeah, that's part of the whole process mm. and the problem with, with the apocalypse as well. Yeah. So that we're going to, we're going to come back to that. That's very interesting because there is some, there's something that I noticed when reading it, because that was one of the things I did for this, is I went and reread uh, the book, and uh, there there is something if specifically in Greek that caught my eye. So, uh, let me see. So, regardless if it was John or not, there's a specific tone to the letters to the seven churches at the beginning, which conveys um, authority over those communities in Asia. So it's it's possible if it wasn't John, maybe it was a disciple of John. And I believe John was associated with that part of the world is, is Asia Minor, Turkey, 
kind of uh, yeah because he because part. he was he was in Ephesus so the whole that east that yeah. the whole part of of the world yeah yeah and so and this was written they think around eight from eighty eighty one to ninety six and uh, which is at the end of the reign of Emperor Domitian uh, mm-hmm. the Roman Emperor and. Another interesting thing that is had just happened is back in the year uh, 70 is when Rome sieged and sacked Jerusalem. So it's not too far after the second temple was destroyed, Jerusalem was sacked, the Jews were dispersed. Um, there was a lot of Christian persecution going on at the time. Um, not just by the Romans, but also by the surviving Jews. So there is a lot of turmoil going on right now regarding uh, Christianity, right? So that's kind of the the historical current events backdrop to when this was written. Right, right. And so there's also the whole idea of the persecution again. So at this point, so the the community is being persecuted by the Jews. They've been they've been thrown out of the synagogues and out of the temples. They they've been cursed as the the Nazarenes, right? And you have the Roman Empire persecuting the Christians because they're irreligious, because they won't sacrifice, <laughs> because they're impious. They won't sacrifice <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. emperor. So you have the martyrs going on, the persecution, especially under Domitian. Uh, he was a, one of one of the big persecutors was Domitian. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, and so now you find your now you find John the Evangelist on the island of Patmos in a penal colony, reflecting, praying, pondering, and we have this yeah scripture and and literally at this point, if it was him. Or even if this was written by one of his disciples, maybe John was dictating it or something like that. Um, he he's the last surviving apostle at this point. Everyone else has been uh, martyred, some way, shape, or form. And speaking Correct. of martyred, I guess you want a, a throwback episode, episode two or three, maybe two and three or something like that. Our first couple episodes, we did one on the. Uh, Oh gosh, uh, the holiness, right? What did we call it? I can't even think of the name of our own episode. But we start because <laughs> then it goes into martyrs is like the second part of it. But yeah, go look up those last those like two three first two three four episodes that we ever let out. It'd be a good uh, good kind of throwback thing for you. So anyway, the Book of Revelation. There's a lot of symbolism that is used, a lot of imagery, especially around colors, numbers, materials, uh, things of that nature. So just some examples of this. Uh, The number seven is a number that represents universality or totality or perfection. Uh, Horns, I guess like a Trying to think of an animal that would have horns, like a bull's horns, right? Yes. Yes. Horns represent power. 
eyes represent knowledge. Uh, fire represents like I don't even know how to say it. So if you have fiery eyes, it's it's like total knowledge. <laughs> it's it's super knowledge, right? So there's a lot of that kind of symbolism going on, very similar to to the. Uh, apocalyptic type writing in like the book of Daniel. He's talking about the angels in heaven and all sorts of stuff. Um, see, what are some other numbers? Uh, four, the number four signifies the world. You got the four corners of the earth, so to speak. The number seven, because it's, it's totality, universality, perfection. The number six means imperfection. You're just shy of that perfection. And then 12 is like the tribes of Israel or the apostles. Um, you know, a thousand is immensity. So anything times a thousand is like, ooh, that's so big. You can't comprehend it kind of thing. So those themes, those number, numeric kind of themes, they're just brought up over and over and over again. And interestingly, since the number seven is universality or perfection, our totality, the book of Revelation is broken up into seven parts, which is really kind of interesting. So there's a prologue where John, he identifies himself, who he is. Uh, the second one, the second part is his letters to the churches in Asia, or Asia Minor, Turkey, that kind of area. The third part has to do with God and the Lamb in heaven, which is Jesus Part four is the seven seals, and this is where there's the trumpets, the plagues, the interludes, um, which goes really nicely into part five. And this is where four and five is, I think, where everybody just remember. This is the only stuff that people remember from Revelation, because five is like the punishment of Babylon and the destruction of, you know, <laughs> the world. Yeah. And then six is the new creation, the new Jerusalem. That nobody, pay, that nobody pays attention heaven. to. <laughs> yeah. And then the epilogue where everybody misquotes like one little section of it. So yeah, correct, correct. Those correct, are the correct. seven sections that make up the book of Revelation. Okay, so this is for my wife who will probably never listen to this episode. Thanks, Betty. Oh, uh, there is seven archangels in heaven. Tobit. Uh, sorry. Raphael says this in the book of Tobit, right? He's like, I'm Raphael, one of the seven angels the that seven. stand at the... Yes. At the yeah. yeah. So this is what's cool. There's seven angels. Seven is that universal or perfection. That's kind of an interesting thought, too. Um, especially because the other day she was like, what kind of angel was Lucifer? Was he an archangel, too? And I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he was the sixth one he got kicked out because he was imperfect. But anyway, um, <laughs> so there's... Seven angels and to and if you are if you have a non Catholic Bible and you don't have the book of Tobit in your Bible, then you would miss that reference there. Right. So the author of this book absolutely knew, especially when you if you're reading through the footnotes, there's so many connections to other books in the Bible. Um yes. but he obviously yeah. was reading from the Septuagint or he knew the Septuagint because he's referencing uh the seven archangels that Raphael claims in Tobit. But anyway, uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And then last angel thing, they name another angel in Revelation. And I, I didn't remember this. So when I read it again, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So his name is Abaddon in Hebrew or Ap 
polion in Greek, and it means destroyer. So he's, I guess, one of the angels that is sent out to destroy stuff in, you know, five and six, everybody's favorite sections. So that's <laughs> for all you angelologists out there. Just thought you guys would, uh, would appreciate that. Okay, so this... Um, well, I gotta look at my note because I'm, I'm almost, almost I want to talk about your Greek thing here in a second. Oh, oh, no, that's so okay. I I didn't mark my notes for this. This is the Greek thing. So I was reading, um, the book of Revelation, and I noticed right away in, I believe it was chapter two. It's it's real quick in there that there is a. Um, oh no, it's chapter one, verses five and six. Okay, so the author says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us into a kingdom, priests for his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And that, st- that stood out to me real quick because he says, who has made us into a kingdom, priests for his God and Father. So this person is claiming that he and the people that he is a part of are priests for God, right? And... The reason that stood out is because I've heard several non-Catholic Christians claim that the Catholic priesthood is a made-up thing. It's it was kind of a power grab kind of thing yeah. to to you have to go through the priests, you can't go through, you know, straight to Jesus yourself, kind of whatever. And so I thought to myself, what word is used when he says says priest here? Is it like presbyteros or presbyter or what? And so I looked it up, and it's not. It's a different word in Greek, and I don't know how to say it, so I'm going to try, but it's like hierai, H-E-I-R-E-I. And okay. the, the, the word, that word specifically, it means, it, it's a Greek word, right for priest but specifically one who offers sacrifice and that word is also used 31 other times in the new testament alone and so i was like well how is this used in the new testament <laughs> so obviously you can find all these examples but the, probably the best example or just like a very clear example, sorry, is in Matthew 8, uh, verse 4, Jesus just got done healing somebody, right? He does this all the time. And then he said, Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Okay. Who were the priests that Jesus was referring to? It's, it's a Levitical temple priest right? Who can go offer sacrifice on your behalf and all those kinds of things, right? So I thought it was really interesting that 
obviously, then if you go look in the Old Testament, you find the same word used for the Old Testament priests. So the Jewish priesthood, which are the Levitical priests, who are the ones who are allowed to offer sacrifice to God, that is the same thing that this author is claiming that he is and the people of God through Jesus Christ are. And I just thought that was so very interesting because the one thing the Bible doesn't really do, the New Testament rather, it doesn't, it doesn't, it mentions the types of people in the church more so than it explains what they do. Right. Right. right, right so it's right. like, yeah, your bishop, blah, 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 and the elders, blah, 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 the Episcopos, blah. It, it, the Episcopos, the Presbyterians. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the the deacons, right? But it's it's more it's mentioning them more so like you already know who these people are. It doesn't ex, it doesn't bother to explain what these people are are or what they're doing or anything like that. Right. right. So I just thought this was a really interesting kind of tie into all that. That here in Revelation, this author is claiming that he and the other people who are people the people of God are made priests through Jesus Christ. I just thought, I just, I don't know. I found that so interesting because um, I think that might be one of the many reasons why Martin Luther wanted to get rid of Revelation, you know, with James <laughs> and a couple other books. Hi. Lutero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that was the that's the Greek thing that I thought was really interesting. Um, one of the other things that I found what was really interesting here. So when when in the book of Revelation, when he is the author is talking to the churches and he's talking about um, the harlot Jezebel and he's talking about uh, the beast that she rides on and how the kings of the earth have um, been adulterous with her and stuff. He he references Babylon, but Babylon is Rome, right? He's in a Roman penal colony, so it's probably not in his best interest to just start slandering <laughs> Rome while he's in a Roman prison. So he uses a lot of that kind of, yeah, that that symbolism. Uh, but he's man, he's pretty explicit. And I mean, if you're a Roman officer and, and you or something and you got it and you could read it, I'm pretty sure you'd be able to figure out who he was talking about. Because he's talking about like the seven hills and the seven like cause Rome on seven hills, right? Right. Um Yeah, so that's so when he's talking about Rome and all of the destruction of the world and, and all that, it's to me it was very like this is the comeuppance of like Rome, like Rome is going to get what, what's, you know, what is due eventually. You just have to kind of persevere through this. And uh, in part of this imagery, he talks about the, um, the woman adorned with the sun and the moon. Yes. And the stars. Yes. yes. Which is uh, very... Lady of Guadalupe, right? It's very Marian yes. yeah. kind yeah. of an imagery. But what I what I learned about that, which I thought was really interesting, is that it also symbolizes um, God's people, the Jew, the Jewish people, 
the Hebrew people in the Old Testament and how um, the Israel of the Old Testament, right, it gave birth to the Messiah, and then the people of the Messiah are the new Israel, you know, the church. Mm -hmm. They suffer persecution by the dragon, right, because the dragon's waiting there to eat up the the baby. Right. and I, so I just thought it was really interesting that it isn't so much talking about some, and this is where I think a lot of people, at least in my experience, a lot of people, they look at this and they go, oh, this is the second coming, or this is in the future when Jesus, um, you know, at the end of the end times, and Jesus will come again, and, uh, the, and there'll be this big battle with Satan kind of thing. But what he was referring to, and maybe he is, maybe he is talking about that, but he was also talking about just kind of church history, right? Because he's he's also saying when the church is persecuted by Satan and or Rome, paraphrasing here, hang in there, <laughs> right? Because Jesus will be triumphant <laughs> right. and everything's going to so, be okay. And so this is part of the whole idea of, you know, Examining the scripture and, and knowing that th- there's a literal sense of scripture, and it's hard to talk about a literal sense in, when it comes to apocalyptic literature, like the Book of Revelation, right, or the Book of Daniel, right. Uh, but there is a literal sense that this is what happened. Uh, okay, the exile, right, uh, the the Babylonian exile. The allegorical sense of the scripture is. So this is what you learn. This is the 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 moral of the story. This is this is what you should do. And there is a moral level too. But the allegorical is, yeah. This is what you should believe about this. So in terms of the uh, Book of Revelation, is it's about how the worldly power, the power of the world, or the power of the brokenness of the world, or the fallenness of the world will persecute uh, the elect, right? And this is this is a whole theme that goes on in, in the scripture too. It is the persecution of the elect. And this is part of the, the fallenness of the world is those whom God elects will always be persecuted because, again, they're called to live in a way contrary to the world. So, yeah. And then there's also the anagogical, I think, literal historical, moral, yeah, anagogical. The anagogical is, what do I do with this? Where do we go from here? Okay, so yeah, I, I we are being persecuted as a, as, as a church. Uh, Nero is accusing us of being irreligious, and he's tying us to sticks and covering us with tar and setting us on fire um, to light the way um, for others. Um, so what do I do? Again, it's a matter of you know, perseverance, uh, trusting in the in God, uh, knowing that uh, all all evil by its own weight always collapses upon itself. And so this is part of the whole story. Then that is also part of the, the book of Revelation. Right? It is that idea of of the, the the different senses of looking at this? And you're talking about. Also, another thing uh, it's called a typology, right? So, where mm-hmm. Mary or the, the woman clothed with the sun and the moon, 
and the 12 stars, she is a sign and a symbol of the people of God who gives birth to the covenant, who gives birth to the law, gives birth to Jesus Christ, who gives birth to the church, who gives birth. So there's always a continual then uh, symbology, uh, a typology that's there that needs to be sort of broken open for, for people, right? Yeah. And with Emperor Nero, the the whole 666 thing comes yeah. from the Greek letters all had a numerical value. And when you add up his name, it comes out to the 666. So always, I don't know how, unless he is used as a, a type of uh, the accuser, right? A type of the right. devil yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, I just An thought it was interesting. Right. I was like, oh. I was like, there's the 666 part. Yeah. Yeah. I also found the the last thing that I thought was kind of interesting, which I hear misused by non-Catholic Christians uh, is, or I have heard it misused, is at the end when John, there's like a warning where he says, I warn everyone who hears these words, don't if anyone adds to them, God will add the plagues described in this book to him, right? And if you take right. any words Come away, there will be and I've heard from the people, book of life, yeah, uh. yeah, and I've heard people say that that is about don't add or take away from the Bible, and shame on those Catholics for adding books to the Bible and stuff like that, which <laughs> <laughs> just really kind of makes me giggle because. I don't know how you get to that from re- when you read it. It's very, he's very clearly just talking about this book, this one book <laughs> the, about his apocalypse. That's what he's talking about. So right. to just stretch on out to be anything and everything <laughs> just it's really kind of made me giggle. It's called proof texting. Yeah. Yeah. But I think my favorite thing about the book of Revelation was that the the two two things one the the letters to the church churches at the beginning those i f- i found really really interesting and then the second well and and the reason i found them interesting is because there was a lot there which even if they were culturally relevant at the time man i don't think anything's changed i think people are exactly yeah. the same and you can you can learn a whole lot just from reading chapters like one through three uh, and just seeing about those churches. Second thing was whomever, whoever wrote this was very like this, the book of revelation is so, I don't know how to say hyperlinked to so many other books in the Bible. Like this guy knew yes. his scripture, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there's and, and remember also, remember also that all this was liturgical. This all this was liturgical reading. Yes. I mean, this was for the liturgies. So they were very familiar with the Old Testament. They were very familiar with the teachings of Jesus and the letters of the apostles. And so, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. This is a liturgical document. Yeah. Because there's yeah there's there's Genesis there's Isaiah there's Jeremiah there's, um, I mean just literally just go through it there's Tobit right like I was saying earlier there's so many different things and as we were talking I don't know one of these conversations we had we were talking about how interesting it was that 
or, or I had found it interesting when I learned that the scriptures, the new, the books of the New Testament were, were um, for the liturgy. I don't know how else to say it. Right? They were they were read in the mass, so they make the most sense being read in the mass. And when you read all of the sim- symbolism of all these. Uh, like when you're in the throne room and the elders, there's, uh, they're worshiping, there's incense, right? There's a lot of things that would make sense if you have ever been to a Catholic mass. Correct. The incense, and a, the yeah. candles. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it also makes me go, oh, that's another reason why Martin Luther probably wanted to get rid of this book because it's very, it's a liturgy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like in heaven, it looks like this thing we're doing on earth, the mass. And so if you have that going on in heaven, <laughs> then it would make sense for it to be going on on earth. And he's trying to get rid of these things, right? He's trying to get rid of the priesthood. This book says that we are priests, right? Specifically the priests that offer sacrifice. Right. So and I think one, so of, the, one yeah, of the things, too, is, is again, as, as uh, Tolkienites... You have to see in the Apocalypse or the book of Revelation, you have to see that basically what it is is that the history of the world as it unfolds is going to serve God's purpose. You have to trust that it, that God is in charge of the history and as it unfolds in his hands, it is going to come to its final stage when Jesus comes in glory and we have, you know, everything purified by fire, whatever fire that might be. But ultimately it it is, again, it is also good news. And I tell people that they worry about the end and the tribulation. I go like, I go like, you're missing the point. The point is in the end we win. So what are you worried about? (laughs) So, So yeah. They, they, so they obviously the end, didn't read it, read the whole thing. Yeah, yeah because he <laughs> he says there's so many times it's like the the beast will go and he'll put his mark on their foreheads, the ones the the people that are they're out, right? And then the ones who are saved in the book of life, right? They're known, right? They'll be marked, right. and so it doesn't matter if you're one of the martyrs who had been beheaded. It doesn't matter right. if you were um, the the first wave of people because the martyrs they are at the they're brought back at the first resurrection then the other people who are marked who aren't the martyrs they after the thousand years which is right eternity kind of thing it's after a very 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 long time they come back at the second resurrection and at that second resurrection which i guess is like the second judgment yeah, is the final when judgment. the de- the dead yeah the final judgment the dead who are truly dead go into the lake of fire with Satan and, and are destroyed kind of thing. So yeah, it is, it is ultimately good news because he, he even, he ends with a warning or I guess the angel tells him, you know, write this stuff down and go tell the people and don't try and stop them. Right. He's like the people right. who are going to be, I think he even says the people who are going to be nasty will be nasty <laughs> and the people who are going to be greedy will be greedy and they're going to go do their thing. So it's, so you don't worry about them so much as worry about 
living right, about being a child of God. And right. as long as you do that, no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Yes, you'll be in the book of life. And that's that's the yep. good news. The good news is that it's not for naught. It, it's for a reason, because you're living um, who you are as God's child. And so I think a lot of times people, since it is a very uh, dramatic book, a lot of people focus on the drama and the whole unfolding and the seven trumpets and the bulls and all these things, right? <laughs> the four horsemen is, of you know, the apocalypse. The four yeah. Horse, horse, yeah, exactly. All this. And it's very captivating imagery. I mean, the author is just absolutely gifted with this uh, capacity to capture our attention and fascinate us for all these thousands of years. But the the deeper message of the book of Revelation is that, again, uh, that the whole idea of God is in charge of this. Even though to your your experience may be confusing and terror, ter, terrible, ter, blah, blah, terrible or terrorizing, uh, in the end, God's design is going to bring all this to its fruition. If you remain faithful, if you remain faithful, and you you are marked with with the sign of the the son uh, the the son of God, and you see that the Lamb is victorious, the Lamb who was slain is on his throne and he has been given all power and so all these beautiful images and instead of worrying about and there are some people that worry about this uh some evangelical uh, schools uh you know they're like you know, are you are you you know do you believe that uh, the 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 rapture will come before the tribulation during the tribulation <laughs> yeah. after the tribulation and I'm going like Really? <laughs> that's, that's what you worry about. So, okay. So, uh, like, uh, I, yeah, I just want to be faithful, like, whether it's tribulation or not, during tribulation, post tribulation, pre tribulation. I'm like, okay, whatever. I, I, yeah, I, I it, can't think that way. It, it's, that's really kind of, I'm trying to, I'm trying to not chuckle. I don't know why I find it humorous, but if you were a, Bible literalist, I could see you having a lot of problems with this book. Oh, yeah. Because... With a lot of books. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you have a hard time... I think you do have a hard time rec reconciling certain things, because Jesus says um, the, the, the path is narrow, or the way is narrow, right? And, um, yeah. But then when you get to Revelation... Jesus, who is, uh, he is a, he's portrayed a lot of different ways, but maybe the weirdest way, he is a slain lamb that's right. obviously not dead with seven eyes and seven horns. <laughs> yes. And it's, he's all sorts of kind of creepy looking and stuff. And, um, but then with the elders, there's it's like countless it's it's like they they do uh, like 12 times 12 so it's the apostles times the tribes times a thousand so it's like 144,000 right so it's countless people are there who are in heaven 
So it's the way is narrow, but then there's so many people that you can't count them. And equally, though, right. he does, you know, it does say though the amount of people who are not going to make it to heaven is also countless. I think it says it's like the sand at the sea, right? There's you can right. never count it. Right. So what's the what do you think is the best? What is the the part that do you think is the most impactful because you're saying this is a liturgical document the whole process the whole document itself has this kind of liturgy aspect to it what is the part that you think is i guess the the strongest connection to the liturgy of the mass and all that 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 we should take part of not just that the whole document is good news but it's also that in the context of the Mass, in that understanding, it's like we are acting out, we are participating in that good news. Yeah, and I think, I think if you would look at the fact that it is, a, it is a heavenly liturgy, it is a liturgy, a very symbolic liturgy, right? And so I think part of the message is that as we celebrate our liturgy, we're participating in this reality, the reality of the redemption, the reality of the coming uh, of the Lord, you know, because at the end it says the bride and the spirit say, come like, okay, let's start, let's do this. And so I think by celebrating in the liturgy that we celebrate in the Eucharist, we are participating, we're engaging in this apocalyptic revelation. And that is that we are manifesting ourselves as being uh, persecuted uh, there are martyrs among us. There are innocents among us. There are persecuted among us. There are the the the, the bishops among us that are that are or the angels among us or the churches among us that that are trying to do good, but there's still room for improvement. And there's also at the same time, it's it's such an organic, dynamic symbol that we're also at the same time the heavenly Jerusalem that is beginning to come. To manifest itself, right? We we are, we are the bride that is beginning to manifest itself. You know, already in in the community that's in heaven, but those of us that are still along the way, that we're part of that manifestation. We're we're beginning to manifest the bride of Christ in our own liturgical life, in our own sacramental life. So I think that's that's part of it too. I think there's there's a great great beauty and depth in the that book the book of revelation if you can get past getting stuck in the signs and the symbols the because it is so arresting right in the attention yeah who was the quote you or the quote who who was the saint who was the quoted (laughs) yeah who was the quote the quote that you sainted uh that was that said when you offer the mass it's um the like God's will or the the salvation or whatever it's accomplished not it will be but it is accomplished it's in the it's in the Eucharistic prayer it's in the sacramentary it's in the the, the missal oh, oh, oh. missal so what does yeah, it say again it, it's it talks about um, yeah now I put you on the spot let's see if yeah it's it's it says when we celebrate. <laughs> When we celebrate this, our redemption is accomplished. I'm going like, and every time I read it, I go like, 
Wow. And and I I just wonder like is it, does anybody else paying attention? Because <laughs> like this, this like yeah what? Yeah, and that's something. So I was I thought of that when when I was reading all this too because God's will. He wants, I he loves all of us, but he loves all of even those of us who will be destroyed. He he still loves us. He continues to love us, right? And his will for the salvation of others, right? Just that whole "it is accomplished" kind of thing was what was resonating with me because ultimately, all of the the as you said, the drama, all of that stuff that plays out and all the death and destruction and all that accomplishes his will because in, when the bride, the church, the new Jerusalem is manifested fully, it's like, it's it's good times, right? There's, yes. there's the trees that yes. the fruit is medicine and nobody suffers and nobody's Correct. sad and... All that kind of stuff. Right. So his will right. being accomplished, I, I just thought was really interesting too, because we've been thinking, uh, you know, about how do we desire God's will? How do I desire what God wants, not or what God knows is good, not just what I perceive as good? Right. Yeah. And then going back to the churches, those letters to the churches. Is there anything that you can tell us to really focus on taking away from that? You know, the the lukewarm church that he, he would vomit out, he'd spew it out. They'd rather you be hot or cold, right? Not lukewarm. Just all no, right. of those warnings in those in those letters. Yeah, and I, I would take them as personal, a personal reflection. Like, am am I lukewarm, or am I? Am I fat and sassy in my religiosity? Am I am I happy with the because I have all this I have all these goods, these spiritual goods, you know, where he's talking about uh you but you're naked and poor and you consider yourself, yeah. you know it's like there's a lot of there to, to just look at and not think about the fact that it's about a particular church, but like how do I reflect upon this in my own spiritual journey? Uh is there something here that I that I can understand? And it's for some of us, it's it's kind of hard because okay, so who are the Nicolotians? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah like, I didn't get the a chance Nicolotians? to look into that. But that was something I thought was kind of interesting because whoever these guys were, they they done messed up because you made it into the Book of Revelation. <laughs> like, I have no idea who the Nicolotians are. So, but okay, yeah. There's the the one thing that I I thought was um, kind of interesting is I don't think at any time and it, it, I mean I, and I could be you know I'm open to correction from anybody because I could I could be forgetting but I don't believe in any of these letters when you know God is like yeah you're gonna get destroyed and. Uh, those of you who are true in this church and the other ones who aren't, like, they're going to get destroyed. The rest of y'all hang tight. And those of you who are lukewarm, I wish you'd be hot or cold because otherwise I'm just going to vomit you out. I don't think at any point in time he says, but you're not Christians, right? You're not my people. I don't think he ever says that, which to me shows this warning that 
you can't just say you can't just claim Christianity and be good. Like you have right. to be working at it and you have to be right. aware of your journey, right? Your formation, your growth in this relationship with Jesus. And again, part of it too is the fact that you know, John finds himself on Patmos, as you said earlier, in his penal colony. He's suffering for the faith and he's reflecting on the the greater reality of the church and the church as, you know, we're talking about, you know, the cosmic good fighting the cosmic evil, but not like a, yeah. a God versus an anti-God, but the brokenness of the world and the seduction of the fallen angel who has seduced the world and how God still, through his Holy Spirit and the free will that has given us, how it is still possible for us to fight against this superhuman influence and to choose the right thing and to bring about uh, God's will, which is salvation and redemption for us, right? So that's that's yeah. part of the whole story there too. Yeah, I, lo- I love, um, speaking of, of the fallen angel of Satan, the God almost, um, it's funny, it's like he he almost can't even be bothered by him, right? Is Like Michael, Michael casting him and the other angels out, is it's almost like a footnote. It's like a one and a half, two-liner, and that's it. The rest right. of the time, it's all these things that Satan's doing on Earth, and then or the other beasts that he's giving power to and stuff to, to act for him, and uh, which is Rome, and it, it just it all of those things. None of it ultimately matters because Jesus, with the the double edged sword coming out of his mouth, which is I guess right. indicative of Scripture, right, separates right. Uh, bone and whatever. Um, like it just conquer like it's it's not even a contest. It's just right. done. Yeah, they're doing all these things, but Jesus wins. Right. There yeah. is victory. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's a super cool book. I would tell anybody if they're really interested in the book of Revelation, um, it's not very long. Some of the chapters are pretty short. I would I would literally or, or I would tell you go to the usccb.org website and go to the books of the Bible and just go to Revelation, read the introduction, and just read the book. I mean, you could sit down and probably read it in less than an hour and all the footnotes in less than an hour too. And I think you'll probably come away with a lot of insight. Um, it's it's a fun read. It, it is really, yes, like it you is. were saying, it's it very is. engaging. Yes, yeah. It is very much. Yeah. But yeah, Carlos, thanks for the the request. Man, it was it was fun. It's been a long time since I sat down and read through the whole thing, um, start to finish like that. So I appreciate it. Anyone else who has any recommendations or something that you'd like to hear Father and I dig into? Uh there's that form link. Yeah. The, so the Manny, we're gonna we're notes. gonna we're going to do big T and little T Manny, so just hang on. We need to do some preparation for that yeah but send us send us or if you've just got a question if it's not like a whole episode worth but you just got a real simple question or something or maybe a short question uh send it to us too we love to love to take the time to answer it okay well father let's wrap this up i love you okay thanks for playing i love you 
<laughs> Everyone God listening, bless. thanks for joining us. God bless. God bless. Bye-bye.